0: Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smart and Today's episode Hey, boss! About five years ago, I started an improv troupe with a friend of mine. And we got together some actors and got some training in some of the basic techniques that are used in improv. There are certain rules and procedures that are used that allow scenes to move forward and not stall out and hit brick walls. And those particular techniques are not what I want to talk about for this show. Instead, I want to talk about a more advanced technique that we learned. Because once you get past the basics, you start learning some more advanced things like characterization, space work, platform, stage combat, and status. Status is something that can make an improv scene much more interesting because it's something that goes on in real life, and it usually goes on in kind of an undercurrent that most people aren't really aware of. The status between two people can change dramatically over the course of a day, and it can be a perfectly normal thing. Let's say, for instance, you have a friend who is your boss and uh, also a basketball partner and you're a better basketball player than he is. While you're at work, you're the employee, he's the boss, the status is at one level. If you go out to lunch together or you're just buddies, the status is at a different level. And after work, if you shoot some hoops and he knows you're better and always has that in the back of his mind, the status changes once again. In improv, you use status changes to move scenes forward. You raise your status, you lower your status, you raise or lower the status of your partner. And if you think about it, in most really good dramatic scenes, the scenes that you remember in movies and theater, there was a status change that went on between the two characters. When we started studying status in improv, I started looking around and paying more attention to it in real life. And the timing was perfect because I had just gotten a job, a short-term contract, that provided me with two really good examples of a good use of status and a bad use of status. We were teaching factory workers to use software that they didn't like and they didn't trust. One of the things that it could do, it didn't do obviously, and we pretended that it couldn't do, but we all knew better, was track time. And union workers don't like time being tracked. Regular workers don't like being timed on anything that they're doing. Union workers really hate it. And this factory was full of folks who had been working for 20, 25, 30 years because in a union shop, whenever there's a layoff, it's always the younger folks that get laid off. So these were older guys, and these were hardcore union people with two or three decades of union behind them. So when we went in with this software that we were going to teach them how to use on these new terminals that were being put up all over the factory, there was a lot of hostility, some of it very strong and very open. And we had to deal with that in order to get our jobs done. And eventually, most of us did. But there was one person who decided that he was going to be the boss of our team. There were about 30 of us working different shifts, doing all the training and the backup and being there to help people out when they got stuck. And he was constantly checking up on people and saying, did you do this and did you do that and and running nattering to the real boss whenever he thought anything went wrong. And as a result, we all hated him deeply. And we did have quite a bit of free time and spent most of it setting him up to look like a fool. It was actually pretty easy. We'd get him pissed off, and he'd write big, long incident reports that really made him look ridiculous to the real boss. He also had a real problem with these factory workers. He looked down on them because they were blue-collar workers. Now, outside of this factory, there were brand-new SUVs and sports cars, and if you sat down and took a break with these people, they were talking about cruises that they went on and their second homes, their camps, their boats. A lot of these people were making six figures or close to it, working in the factory with all the overtime, the benefits, and everything else. But this guy, I'll call him Joe, looked down on him, and that came across, and they picked up on it right away, and they immediately hated him just as much as we did. He ended up getting switched from shift to shift from different parts of the factory. There were actually two factories we were doing. He got shifted from one to the other, In his life, all the time that he was there, was miserable now there was another guy that I worked with his name his real name was Tom and I'd known Tom for a long time I'd known him for years before I had worked with him on other projects I liked him he was a real easygoing guy everybody seemed to like Tom seemed to get along with him and Tom had a method of immediately getting along with some of the most obnoxious and hateful workers in the factory and I never would have noticed it if I hadn't been studying status. He'd walk up to somebody and say, hey boss, can I give you a hand? And with those two words, hey boss, he immediately lowered his status. And they loved him. Well, most of the people in the factories did warm up to us eventually, but they warmed up to Tom right away. And He wasn't doing this on purpose. He wasn't sitting there thinking, well, I shall lower my status and I will uh, make friends with him that way. He just did it, and it worked. Now, I tried it myself. I tried saying, hey, boss, and it just didn't sound right. It just didn't uh, quite roll off my tongue as smoothly as it did for Tom. But it was a perfect example of using status, in this case, lowering his status, to get something accomplished. And these folks warmed up to him right away. On the other hand, Joe, completely misusing status, trying to elevate himself amongst his co-workers and also looking down on trying to give lower status to the blue-collar workers, had a really miserable time of it for all the time that we were there. I've been stopped for speeding probably a half a dozen times in the past ten years, and I'm always very very polite to the police officers and immediately become Mr. Low Status. Now, Part of it is just in general principle, I always try to be polite to people that carry a gun on their hip, especially when those people know that they can kill you and get away with it with no repercussions, but that's not really the, the main point. The main thing is I want not to get a speeding ticket, and I have found, and it works beautifully just by lowering your status just a bit, being very well, a little subservient uh, but, and very respectful, I usually get a ticket for parking on the pavement or some non-moving violation. So they still get their money, but I don't get a speeding ticket, points on the license, and raised insurance. For the next week or so, just be aware of status. Look around even when there's groups of friends, you know, you got 10 people out to lunch together, there are little subtle status things going on between them. Everybody's at a different status level in relation to everybody else. Just pay attention to it. Be aware of it. And rid yourself of the idea that having a lower status is a bad thing because it isn't necessarily. It can often work to your advantage. See, a lot of people who are conscious of status and who think about status and try and play status games, have the mistaken impression that winning means walking away with the highest status. What fools? Winning means getting what you want. Accomplishing what you set out to do. Maybe getting somebody else to do something or to not do something. And if you can do that by lowering your status or raising their status or a little bit of both great who cares you've won and the people who are really heavily into status who are always thinking about it and always want to be the high status sometimes they're the absolute easiest people to manipulate because you know all you got to do is lower your status and boom you got them to do what you want them to do and the next time that you're in a situation where things aren't going your way Think about status and what can you do, raise or lower your status a little bit or a lot, raise or lower the other person's status a little or a lot, to get what you want, to accomplish what you need to accomplish. And you'll be surprised how often it works. Does it work every time? Of course not. Nothing works every time. But it works more often than not. And it can be a really powerful tool in your intellectual arsenal to, well, get your own way just by changing your status a little bit when the time is appropriate. Hey, that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast, if uh, that's okay with you, boss. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind about something, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. Although I usually do a show around the 1st and the 15th, the one around the 1st never got done this month because real life got in the way. Doing a lot of renovations around the house, a lot of things just taking up too much time. But don't worry, I'm not going to rip you off. I will make it up to you. I'll have an extra show for you next week so it'll all balance out. It'll be a show about how to deal with a flag-burning amendment controversy that pops up from time to time, how to deal with it once and for all with a solution that to my knowledge has never been suggested anywhere else so be sure to keep your rss feed warm and that'll be coming down the pike sometime next week now i'm not going to tease you for too long i talked at the beginning about the basics of improv and also about some of the advanced things of an improv if this is a subject that interests you you can go to davehit.com and that'll bring you to the hitman chronicle it's spelled with two t's and right down at the very bottom of that page you'll see a link That says, looking for the improv manual? And that will bring you to a page that will let you download our improv manual, which is like 143 pages long. There's a lot of improv games in there. And there's a lot of information there on the basics of improv. The primary basics only take up about four pages. It's called Improv 101. But it gets into all that stuff. So if you're curious, you can get it there. And while you're there... You'll find email links all over the place. Drop me a line. Tell me what you think about this podcast. If you love it, if you hate it, you'll also find the correct spelling of my email address in the MP3 tags of this file. And you can call, you can call 206-203-4488. And that gets you into a voicemail service. You leave a message. It gets emailed to me. Maybe we use it in a future show. Who knows? Give me a call. Let me know what you think. Hey, if you're a podcaster, you really owe it to yourself to sign on to the Podcast Peer Awards. This is something we're doing that's really cool. You go to podcastpeers.org and get yourself signed up. We are now nominating shows for the fall winners. You want to be a winner? You want to vote on the winners? You want to vote against other podcasts? It's really kind of a simple system, the way that it's set up to work, so that it'll be difficult to game and really be representative of the podcasting community, and not just a popularity contest like some other contests are. Podcastpeers.org will get you there, and it'll tell you everything that you need to know. It doesn't cost you anything to join, and it's a good party. You don't want to get left out of it. As always, the Quick Hits Podcast is a journal of one man's opinion, and therefore should not be taken too seriously.